back again for another podcast this week. And as you well know by now, all podcasts on the NRL Supercoach Talk Network are proudly sponsored by Brett Oten Solicitors, a law firm specializing in the entertainment, media, and tech industries. If you need intellectual property contract or any other business advice, please visit brettoten.com.au. Sydney-based, but Brett can service your legal needs wherever you may be. Quick shout out to our mates from Moneyball as well, moneyball.com.au, daily fantasy sports with tens of thousands of dollars to be won every weekend. So make sure you jump on there, click through any of the images on the website to get across to moneyball.com.au. And we have a new sponsor tonight as well, so keep an ear out for that in the first half of the show. All right, big show this week, round 20 coming up. We've got Joe Fitz on the line. We have Trent Copeland from the Daily Telegraph on the line also. So let's get to it. G'day, guys. Welcome back to the podcast for yet another week. Finally, all the buys are over and it is smooth sailing here to the end of the season. Huge show tonight. Joe Fitz is on the line. Mate, nice to have you on again. Yeah, great to be back on. And special guest this week from the Daily Telegraph itself, it is Trent Copeland, a.k.a. Copes. Mate, nice to have you on again. Boys, thanks for having me. Oh, jeez, I am hungry. Oh, I <laughs> Nick, uh, will you serve the guest? Yes, well, yeah, he only came on, came on once and made one stingy bet. Obviously, destroyed me with Smithy's average, fifth, averaging well over 15 more than Isaac Luke. So, mate, a bet's a bet. I owe you a stake. Next time I'm in Sydney or you're up here, we'll have to organise it for sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. Definitely. Lots about, mate. mate, lots to talk about. How did you go, um, Copes, in round 19? Uh, it was a good week, but boy, it could have been better. Uh, it, I mean, I had 1,305 points, which ended up being pretty close to the norm uh, at the top end of the tree. I didn't move up as many ranking points as I would have liked. Um, I'm sitting in about 1,100 um, or 1,130-ish, somewhere around there, outside the key ring range, unfortunately. But uh, I'm pretty happy with how things are going. My centres last week absolutely stunk it up. So hopefully they turn it around. The likes of Rapana, Walker, Lafay, and a few other little pods in there. So hopefully they turn it around for me in the run home. For sure, mate. That's a good position to be in, I think. I think you're poised, poised there to make a run at the key ring. Um, I was very close to you. 1302, um, jumped up about 400 spots to 1850th. Uh, went in, had a 13.28, so he's about 1,300th. My um, downside for the week was I was I decided to trade Crichton. Um, I figured he's going he's gonna to be done soon. I'm going to sell him. Um, and with a couple of dual positions, I brought in oh, a good old Michael Morgan. He's a super pod. He averages 80 <laughs> without JT. And then he, I'm pretty sure he was on three at halftime. And he ends up on 20. Cost me about 60 points. I didn't play for Fida because he was coming off the bench and he had a pretty decent score. I didn't play DeBellin because he was coming off the bench and he had a pretty decent score. So it's uh, another week of, of what could have been. Um, but Joe, mate, you had a very good score and you are well back in the top thousand now. 
I am, mate. Um, good to good to see that my Tommy Turbo captaincy pick, um, you know, got a few unicorn points to get me up to thirteen ninety five. Um, still had Rapana, still had Mansour, uh, stinking it up with a few mediocre scores as well. Could have been a little bit more, but yeah, not going to complain with uh, almost fourteen hundred in a week. No, very good. I was cursing myself on um, Friday night for not VCing Cleary, um, and then I had the captain on Tommy Turbo as well. So. Very good score there. Very good score. And Copes, the banner curse is back, mate. We got Jared Hayne this week. We got him good. Yeah, good. Jeez, so I was good. happy to see that as well. But the banner curse, <laughs> I've thankfully avoided most of the carnage this year. So keep up the good work, lads. Will do. Will do. All right, Fitz. Um, big show, like we said. Run us through the board bets quickly because we've actually, actually, you have actually, sorry, worked it out and actually. I'm Copes and I are just going to be feasting by the look of it. Yeah, I, I might have to get Copes in as as uh, the judge on one of these things because I'm still dirty about it. But um, Nick, uh, you're up against uh, myself and Wenon uh, overall for a stake, um, and we're both ahead of you in that. But we also bet that you wouldn't finish in the top ten thousand, so it evens out. Um, now, Copes, I've bet Nick that at the start of the year, because Nick was like 60,000th after round one, that he would not beat Gordon Tallis's team. Now, Gordy's, you know, been, been promoted uh, in, in, you know, Supercoach and the Courier Mail, his team. I don't think it's actually been active for the past six weeks. A couple of weeks ago, he had five active players playing and scored about 200. Um, he's sitting almost 60,000th, mate. Surely, in the interest of fairness, that that stake bet's got to be wiped. Uh, unfortunately, a bet's a bet, mate. Uh, I, I can't side with you there. As much as it's frustrating that you put your hope and dreams into Gordy, he's let you down, unless you want to take it up with him. <laughs> I, tried, I, mate, I, I tried hitting him up on Twitter, but uh, the last post he made on that uh, account was 2013 and he didn't get back to me, So unsurprisingly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all right, I'm going to have to eat that one. Um, got a few over Wenon there. Elliot over Talakai. Um, uh, Wenon's got Stop a bet with... Better. Yeah, that was that was the worst bet of the lot, I think. I don't think Talakai's actually played since. Um, Wenin up against Sangsa, he's copping a flogging with that. Uh, Tommy's in the top 500. Uh, Daniel Tupo, uh, Wenin versus Nick. Uh, Wenin thinks that Tupo's going to finish as a top six centre wing. I think he's currently 18th. So uh, he better... What an idiot. He better turn that around. And uh, a couple of ones that are outstanding. Uh, me v Nick, I'm uh, a Jesse Bromwich truther. I think he will hit 410K at some stage during this season and uh, and that he will average 55-plus um, from round 19 onwards, mate. Where are you with Jesse Bromwich, Copes? Uh, I am so thankful I didn't get on board. I was just <laughs> there around... Round 16, round 17, I know uh, both Sanger and VK on the on the Countdown show uh, gave it to me the week that he got 80-odd in the big buy round, and I had to cop it, but I'm pretty happy now sitting back knowing that I don't have to deal with his mediocre scores, and uh, I don't need to burn a trade trying to get him out. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got to say, in fairness, um, he does have that one injury-affected score where he got injured in the first half against the Broncos. But, um, you know, he's got a three outside. But if you take that aside, he's got a three-round average of 64. So that's why I was keen to to get in at 55-plus for the stake. But, um, yeah, definitely not a top-17 player for sure. 
The um, so just looking at the stakes, the those that patently unfair bet that uh, Copes has upheld leaves me at minus two stakes. Nick, you're plus two stakes. When in minus two stakes, and Copes, you've got one, as does your colleague Tommy Sangster, uh, who went and owns one if the season ended today. Excellent. Yeah. This sounds this sounds very good. Couple of fr- couple of Saturday nights in a row at the Norman Hotel, I think, just eating free steaks. Beautiful. And and Wilfred owes us all one anyway, so you know I'll get I'll claw one back that way. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Quickly before we get on to the show, mate, we, Fitz, we had a, um, one of our members, um, Alice, contact us this week about a, um, a new product that he's got going out, actually, Supercoach-related product. Um, it calls it the Sleeper Keeper, sleeperkeeper.com.au. Basically, it's a, um, a Supercoach sweatshirt. So it comes in a couple of colors, black and gray, big, bold letters on the front, Supercoach. So I can see this, mate, I can see this getting a lot of run in the bedroom. What do you think? Mostly on the couch, mate, um, <laughs> you know, with a handful of twisties and a beer or something watching the footy. But, um, yeah, it's good to, uh, good to see a bit of merchandising out and about. Yeah, that's right. So if anyone wants to, to get involved, you can pick up Alice's um, Supercoach products at sleeperkeeper.com.au. Uh, it's pretty pretty much um, Sleeper Keeper spelt how it sounds. You can follow him. You can find him on Facebook, sorry, Sleeper Keeper, or Instagram, uh, sleeper.keeper is the address there. Um, yeah, a couple of good products hit there. They'll ship uh, shortly before the end of the season, and I presume he's going to have um, a bit more merchandise leading into the 2018 season as well. So, Jump on there, support one of our um, one of our regulars, Alice, and um, that's sleeperkeeper.com.au. Uh, Fitz and I and Wenin are going to grab one each, and we'll we'll all get together and, and take a couple of snaps and put them up on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, so everyone can see us in our Supercoach sweatshirts. So sleeperkeeper.com.au. Thank you very much, Alice, for your support. All right, straight into it now, and we'll go to the news. This is the news. Okay, guys, heaps of injuries this week coming out of round 19. Um, I'll list them quickly, um, and then I'll pass over to you, Copes, to, for a bit of analysis. Um, SJ, his knee, he's done for the NRL season. Papali, who I all, almost brought in last week, is suspended for a couple of weeks. Trent Merrin's out for six to eight weeks with a knee. Adam Reynolds has got a sprained thumb, but he has been named. Coruscant, um injured his leg in the second half there, and he's out um, indefinitely at the moment. Matt Moylan returns from a hamstring injury, which is good news. Uh, for the Tigers, Jacob Liddell has dislocated his shoulder. He's done for the year. And Winterstein picked up a calf tweak, but he has been named. Obviously, off the back of that, also Michael Gordon and Jake Friend, who we spoke about last week, are out of the Roosters' side as well. So, Copes, plenty happening in injury news, mate. How has this affected your side? Um, and secondly, sort of, how do you think it affects Supercoach as a whole? Well, 48% of Supercoaches out there own Sean Johnson and have to make a decision this week on, on who to go to. Hopefully you've got some dual positions and you can swing in who you ideally want out of the whole of the Supercoach landscape, which is a nice luxury to have, but 
I'm sure we're all low on trades and it's not ideal to lose third overall points for us. So this is a bit of a, uh, I guess, a fork in the road moment for super coaches. Everyone in the top thousand are going to own Sean Johnson if they've been successful this year. I think the decision you make this week for the last six weeks of the run home for overall and also in your head-to-head comps is going to make a massive difference. So lots of opportunities, you know, the likes of DCE, Widdett, um, you know, Gutherson in the halves, and then there's so many other options. One we'll talk about a little bit later on. From my point of view, Billy Slater is one of the, at the forefront of my mind in career best form. So great decision-making process that you've got to go through, but it's also good fun. The rest of them, I managed to invo- avoid every single one of those injuries and suspensions that you mentioned. Uh, Papali doesn't affect me. Trent Merrin will affect a lot of people, given that he was one of those guys that was relevant, given that the Panthers buy schedule in the last big buy rounds. Um, Adam Reynolds playing helps quite a few in the top thousand, which I think is relevant. Um, and then Coruscant, did either of you guys get on board Coruscant as a bit of a bridge over uh, Cameron Smith's break? Yeah, I did, mate, um, only because I had Brandon Smith in as well and, and you know, all, yeah. best laid plants and all that. Uh, you know, he was going to miss those three weeks, so um, had to get Coro in as a, as a temporary bridge uh, to Cam Smith. So very much not ideal at his name this week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I was also in that predicament. I brought Brandon Smith in the week earlier um, and then he obviously hurt himself and was going to miss. So I made the decision to go to Robbie Farrar who had a negative break even, and, gee, that worked out well. Uh, Cook got dropped off the bench on a late change on the weekend. Farrah played 80 minutes and managed to jag a few points. So that worked out pretty well for me. But uh, I, I, did, I did notice that, actually. We were head-to-head in a league uh, together, and I saw Farrah, and I just went, Jesus, Copes, Farrah. And, yeah, obviously um, yeah, he scored so, pretty well. Well, it was one of those decisions where you know, a lot of people went to – Coruscant, given the point scoring output, um, I had Cam- uh, Cameron Cullen was on the bench the week I was making the decision. He ended up dropping off the bench. Uh, the other option was Mitch Rain, who I'm bloody glad I didn't go down that path because he missed the week six. Um, yeah. Then the other option for me, just looking through, I'm a pedigree man, just looking through guys that have the scoring capacity. Farrah's last game that he played, he'd scored 100. I knew that over the course of the three weeks I needed points out of him, he was going to play all three and that he was going to make money. So those criteria was basically a hit and hope. And uh, I just knew that I wasn't going to lose out money and not be able to afford Cam Smith uh, by the time I needed to buy him back this week. So that was the theory. Yeah, it worked out perfectly, mate. It's always good to to hear, you know, the methodology behind those kind of left of, uh, field uh, selections, mate. So, yeah, look, the the, the likes of uh, Winder Science interesting. He's named um, with that calf injury, but whispers around that Javid Bowen or Kalen Ponga could come in. We know, you know, you just have to ask Boyd Cordner or Lachlan Coote, you know, how troublesome calves are. Uh, I'd be surprised if, if Winderstein comes back. But uh, Moylan uh, coming back as well with Penrith's schedule is is very interesting, given they've got, I think, four straight games at home. What do, what do you guys think about him as the buyer for... So we, we'll talk about a few different pods later on, but Moylan isn't to be seen in the most purchased players this week. A lot of people scared off, obviously, with the hamstring injury, but 
In terms of Sean Johnson buys, and uh, I think he is right up there. In terms of the Panthers' draw over the next six weeks, it's phenomenal. They play late in rounds, um, but they also have great matchups against bottom five opposition. And the scoring upside for Moylan has been, you know, 100 plus week in, week out there before that injury. So, what do you guys think about him? I think the um, the the narrative is really negative on Moylan because when people were kind of making the call of Cleary or Moylan, kind of around uh, around kind of around sixteen, um, Moylan was about five forty or five twenty. Uh, with a big three-round average, Cleary was a little bit cheaper and they've kind of gone in opposite directions. So I think people are a bit more negative on Moylan than they necessarily might be just because, um, you know, Cleary's in the ascendancy at the moment. But when he comes back, I think he's definitely got that potential to go absolutely massive. I know uh, Wenon got on him. Nick, Do you, you're a Cleary owner, not a Moylan owner. Yes, Team Cleary all the way. Um, yeah, I think it's, there's a bit of negative stigma around Moylan, you know, the, given the last few weeks, how he's underperformed and how well Cleary has done. Uh, so if I didn't have Cleary, he would be my number one trade-in for Johnson, obviously. Um, and like Cope said, we'll talk about some of the options later on. But um, there's there's a couple of guys out there who are a bit cheaper and maybe allow that second trade to be um, someone up to Cameron Smith. Or something like that, but yeah, I don't, I don't really like Moreland. I prefer some of the other options, to be honest. Interesting. So, um, you know, we've talked a fair bit about teams. Um, I don't think there's too much in the way of shocks, Nick. But um, do you want to take us through the first uh, first few games? Yeah, we'll just go super quick. Uh, Broncos have got their Origin guys back. The Bulldogs are irrelevant, so it doesn't really matter. Roosters and Knights. SKD is playing his first game for the Knights, which is interesting. Uh, like we said, Gordon and Friend are out, so Connor Watson goes to fullback. Cornish is in at hooker, but they might play their under-20s hooker for some time as well, and Boyd Cordner is out. Um, Maloney's back for the Sharks, and Braden Burns is out for the Rabbitohs. That's that's sort of Thursday, Friday. Nothing nothing overly exciting doing. Fitz, do you want to take us through Saturday, and then Copes can do Sunday? Yeah, Moylan and Wallace are, are back for the Panthers. And interestingly, Rain misses out, but Leota, uh, sorry, um, uh, Katoa or whatever his name. What's the bloody hooker's back, yeah. <laughs> backup hooker's name? Yeah, that's it. He's uh, probably going to be 15, 20 minutes. I know a few people that brought him in as a as enough option um, and they might be stuck with him as an auto-emergency. Nightmare, uh, Titans are, are pretty much 1-17. to 17. Morgan Boyle's back on the bench. And Raiders Storm, Papali's out. Um, he's, yeah, just silly. Uh, Papali and uh, Tarpani's on the edge. Very uh, surprising for me that uh, young Tonomapay has been named ahead of Curtis Scott, but... I think this would be the third time this year that that's probably happened and Curtis Scott's been a late in. So um, Curtis Scott owners, I would just keep an eye out for final teams there. Um, Cowboys Warriors, we've got Ponga and Bowen as possible ins for Winterstein, as we mentioned. And uh, Sean Johnson's replacement, the youngster, uh, Lino, uh, is in in an otherwise unchanged Warriors. Um, Copes, um, what about the other two games? Yeah, well, just quickly on Scott, what do you guys think about him in terms of, you know, his high ownership? What do you think about him moving forward? Is he someone that you want to play in your 17 every week that he plays? Or is he probably on the fringe or is it match-up dependent? Nick? 
Mate, I've given what he's done so far. I'd be playing him every week. If he if he was named to start this week, he would be in my centres ahead of... Or I'd probably reserve him because currently I'm reserving Dylan Edwards. So I'd probably have Scott ahead of Edwards this week. But yeah, I'd be playing him in my 17 every week that he is named. Yeah, just it's not... Um, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just it's not just that one score, you know. He was averaging seventy six in the games, you know, before he turned up. Um, and yeah, you're right. He looks likely just he's, he's he busted a million tackles. Um, he's he's playing right side, so he, when he plays, he actually bumps uh, Will Chambers to the left. So, you know, he's just running off Cooper Cronk and getting heaps of balls. So, I mean, I. I, I I tend to think he's not a flash in the pan. Um, Copes, is he is he matchup dependent or is he in the seventeen for you? Uh, he'd be matchup dependent for me, but I, you know, he's the centre in the best team in the competition, and any time you get an opportunity to play those attacking guys, you know, or even the base stack guys, honestly, they have the upside of the best attack in the competition. So, yeah, he he'd be very hard to leave out, um, and always one that you know, if he's going to be named on the bench and starting this week. Um, make sure that that's part of your psyche moving forward, that you are, are around and, and aware of those team lists um, once mm. they get five from the hour before kickoff. Agreed. Um, I th- he's the perfect sixth centre wing, I think, you know, if you've got enough in that seven spot, but, you know, someone that you can play those matchups. Absolutely, yeah. So just getting on to those last two games, the Dragons versus Sea Eagles. Uh, Aitken comes back in with Milne and Packer out, man onto the bench. Uh, for the Seagulls, Coruscant drops out uh, and Wright is also out as well, which is a, a topic of interest for you guys. I'm interested to hear what you think about DCE and that goal kicking. Uh, he kicked goals, well, a few people did last week, but DCE <laughs> was who actually managed to kick a few. And it looks as though he might be the one who retains those duties in front of Dylan Walker. What do you think? Does that, does that take him maybe above the, the rest of the guys in that? frame for replacing Sean Johnson? Uh, I think law of averages wise, he, he's been on a streak, but is he going to keep it up? I mean, he's been kind of borderline. He's almost been like an A minus super coach option uh, for the past few years. And he's on a bit of a hot streak. Is it like people who got on Moylan at 540k in round 16, only to see him kind of come back to earth? That That's my only fear with DCE. But you know, not that many great options if, if you're looking for the kind of 480k to replace Sean Johnson with. Um, Nick? Yeah, look, he's an interesting one, isn't he? He's been, I mean, he never really figured in many discussions until Manly's buy schedule opened up. And now, you know, we seem to be talking about him every week. Five round average of 79. And like you say, kicking goals, he's up to 500k now. He's 130k ahead of his starting price um you know so it goes to show that his form this year is not really indicative of historical performances just given that his price is so much higher um than it was at the start of the year so yeah look i don't know if i mean i don't know if you could pay 490k for him i mean i it's about the same price as cleary and and i would much prefer cleary but i'd probably to be honest prefer dce over moylan so yeah he's He's probably sort of third or fourth on that halfback list. Yeah. And yeah. That, well, the great thing is that the, the kicking duties probably, you know, Manly are one of the highest scoring offences in the league. That probably takes him, and this was the discussion I had with a few people at the start of the year who were doubting Dylan Walker. 
Fitz, actually, you were on the countdown show and we were talking about this exact thing. Oh, I uh, remember that. I remember we when Fitz was on the countdown show. <laughs> yeah, mate, Dylan Walker. If if he does lose the kicking, is he is he still a kind of top five centre wing for you? Yeah, well, and and that was the discussion. It turns out that he has been, and I think you know whether he gets the kicking duties back or not. I think I'm going to keep him regardless. The the thing with DCE is, on average, most of the good kickers that average will be between seven and nine points a week. So if if you are talking about DCE as a trading option before that, and then you add on seven to nine points a week, then you're talking proper top tier uh, halfback for the run home. So, in my opinion, it certainly does make a difference. Anyway, let's move on. Cameron Cullen and Parker come into that side with Hastings onto the bench as the utility. And then in the other game on Sunday, the Tigers against the Eels, uh, Little and Sue are out with Grant and Cheekam coming in. Uh, and for the Eels, Manu Mau back in and Edwards back to the bench. So no real huge super coach relevant changes there. Yeah, tend to agree, Matt. Yeah, a couple of good games there. Should be a good weekend. Broncos and Bulldogs tomorrow night will be interesting. Raiders and Storm should be a good one as well. And I actually think Panthers and Titans um, could be a really good game as well. So... Good weekend of footy ahead there with the full eight games all scheduled. Um, let's go on to trade time now. And now it's trade time. Okay, so for trade time, we will do Sean Johnson first up, I think, because it's, like you said, Copes, he's owned by 50% of people. There's a lot of options up there. Um, I'll start it off and tell you what I'm planning to do uh, because – Obviously, it's a good excuse um, to downgrade and to get Cameron Smith back in at hooker. So it's going to take two trades for most people. Uh, so I've got Elijah Taylor, who I've been riding through the back half of the buy period. So he's gone and Smithy comes in. Um, and then Johnson's gone. Uh, and it leaves me with about 350k to spend. So there's a couple of options. I could go complete enough, um, which gives me no backup at halfback. And it, I mean, it, it gives me about 230k in the bank, but with only one trade left, I'm not really sure what I would do with that 230k. You know, it would be to trade Curtis Scott or something like that. So what I'm actually got in there at the moment uh, is I've actually gone Corey Norman. Um, he's only 290k. He's basically just there as a backup in case Cleary suffers some sort of catastrophic injury. Uh, and it leaves me with 65k in bank, you know, which which if one of these guns goes down, the 65k is usually enough to go up to to someone half decent, you know, like if a if if Rapana went down or if Tamalolo went down or Tapau or whoever, 60 the, their price plus 60k should be enough to get me a decent player with that last trade. So that's the way I'm thinking of just just chucking really someone in that. there to give some coverage, basically. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So I, I still own Norman. Uh, I own him from the start of the season, basically. And I, I think one thing that a lot of people have overlooked with Norman, uh, Gutherson being an option this week, and also Semi-Badradra, um, the run home for the Eels is like no other team. They play, listen to this for matchups. Tigers... Broncos is going to be a tough game. Then they have Bulldogs, Knights, Titans. They play the Broncos again. And then in finals week, they play the Rabbitohs. Out of those games, 
all bar one are at ANZ Stadium. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So they've got A, great matchups, but B, they're playing at the same ground week in, week out. I think Corey Norman is actually going to streak home and be a great option. I'm playing him in my 17 this week against the Tigers. And I think he, Gutherson and Rad Radra should be best 17 players pretty much every week for the run home. Yeah, look, just to close it out, Fitz, before I hand over to you. So, yeah, I think good option definitely copes. That's, I hadn't really looked at his draw, but I'm, I'm quite happy with that. So, um, and I'm, gonna, I'm playing him in my 17 this week. And I'm actually playing Dylan Edwards as well. Um, I'm playing both of them ahead of DeBellin and Cam McInnes. I think there's, you know, it's time to time to sort of play for some upload. Um, those Dragons boys have been solid, but not spectacular. So, yeah, Corey Norman, he's my man. What about you, Fitz? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to try and get Cameron Smith back in to the side with Sean Johnson. I think, you know, from with the time of year now, obviously we're really short on trades and we've really kind of talked out some of those expensive, highly owned premium options. So, you know, if anyone's looking for, uh, you know, pods, whether they're, you know, particularly if they're head-to-head players, but someone, uh, you know, on the fringe of the top 1,000, which, you know, I'm slightly inside and, and uh, you two are slightly outside of it, wanting to get that key ring, um, looking for pods. So we've got a bit of a list of, um, you know, Sean Johnson trade options uh, for pods. Um, Anthony Milford obviously came back uh, with 60-odd against the Knights on the weekend. He's only 5.8% owned, probably has the best pedigree of all um, kind of low ownership halves at the moment. Um, Ash Taylor there uh, had a big game on the weekend he's only 324k for you know speaking to what you were saying before nick about if you need that extra cash to go to cam smith pierce morgan and hunt um as alternative options i mean ben hunt's only 1.5 percent owned um certainly has the pedigree as kind of a, a low-end keeper for sure um Copes, if you weren't going the direction you are with sean johnson any of those five guys um jump out at you in the halves yeah, well, Milford is the one that I'm still considering. So um, whilst I'm going to, at this stage, go down a different road, uh, Milford, to me, 5.8% owned doesn't tell the story. The only reason why he's not 50% owned at this point in the year is because of the shoulder injury. So it is all about risk. Whether you want to take on the chance that someone like a Josh Papali shoulder charges his shoulder uh, and then that could see the end of his season and, and needing surgery. Obviously, we don't wish that upon anyone, but it, you know, you can put all the strapping you like on a dislocated shoulder, and just the mechanism of that injury. It just it takes one contact or one uh, where he one moment where he's trying to force his way out of a tackle like he loves to do, and that can pop straight back out again. So with trades dwindling down, I can see why he's maybe not the top option at this point. Um, but he would be the one, if I was going to go in the halves, he would be the one that I would go for. 
Yeah, I tend to agree as well. And, and you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of talk around Mitchell Pearce obviously had a, a good streak there in, in kind of the first third of the season, but I'm worried about Jake Friend uh, not being there. Obviously, Michael Morgan we had a laugh about before, you know, great average with JT except when he doesn't, which happened to be last weekend. So, uh, um, Nick, you were talking about moving Elijah Taylor around and doing some stuff with your hooker position. There's a couple of guys here that I think have pretty decent pedigree that if you're, if you're not wanting to go Cameron Smith, um, you can bring Coruscant down into your 5'8 position or if you've got, you know, that free slotted hooker, Isaac Luke and Nathan Peets. Any interest there, mate? No, no. Both dads, mate. Dads. Absolute dads. Well, yeah. It's Smithy, Smithy or nothing. Yeah, exactly. It cost me a stake. It's Smithy, Smithy or nothing. If you've already got Smith, good on you. Um, I'd be looking elsewhere. All these names look too familiar. I had Milford at some stage this year. I had Taylor. I had Pierce. I've got Morgan. <laughs> I had Luke. <laughs> I've had all these guys doing... at some stage or another. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste your time with Luke and Pete's at the moment. I'd go with Smithy and and hope that you can ride him out for the rest of the year. Well, the yeah, um... Just chiming in on Luke there. So I think the one thing that he will gain that people maybe not have seen earlier this season is the kicking duties without Sean Johnson. So much like DCE, it gives him probably that little bit of a nudge forward in terms of his scoring capacity each week. So that's something to consider. And he's scoring bar injury in the last four to five weeks whilst it wasn't good enough to save you the state bet, uh, it was, you know, he scored 75, 68, 69 and 68 in his last four proper games. So the scoring capacity is there, but you take Sean Johnson out, Sean Johnson out of any side and those points aren't going to be scored as frequently. So that's something to consider as well. Yeah, mate, I tend to agree. In the centre wings, um, centre wings probably the, the deepest position this year in Supercoach. So, um, you know, how willing we might be to go for pot options there is kind of up for debate. Talking about injury risks, you've got Dugan there, uh, 400k, averaging 61 for the season, but only 4% owned. Um People, uh, you know, like rats from a from a sinking ship have jumped off Tim Laffey. He's only 3.5% owned. But, you know, given that he's only 380K, that's that might be a pretty good value bet there. I and, can't, why uh, did, all those fools who brought Laffey, wasn't Wen in one of those? Oh, well, well Wen and Catfish got him. <laughs> well, that's why, that's why they haven't been on the countdown show, mate, because they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Oh, well, Co- Co- Copes is chiming in here, mate. What, what, what do you think, Copes? Uh, Lafayette seems to find his way onto my team sheet every week, mate. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, he did the old American sports thing where uh, he played for his contract, he signed on the dotted line, <laughs> and he's gone ever since. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. With, with all due respect, I think he's, uh, he's certainly nowhere near his early season form, but neither are the Dragons. So mm. I still back him in. I certainly wouldn't be selling because having a guy with, you know, 120 point upside, with only 3.5 ownership, you know, that still is an asset in my back pocket that I want to use at the right time. So he he would be my pick of the three guys that you're mentioning here in the centres. That's for sure. Yeah, with Tupo, it's interesting. You know, we make uh, we make stake bets on the podcast on the Countdown Show. Uh, you guys uh, eat your hat. Um, I've got a sneaking suspicion, mate. Laugh, I might have cost you uh, a few hat meals. 
Uh, yeah, well, see, we brought in the wig, right? So two weeks ago, <laughs> we brought in. I felt like it was getting to the point where boys were just sort of throwing out eat my hats at, at will without any penalty. So I wanted to bring in. I brought in this fluoro pink wig. It's horrendous. And I had it on the first week. I was the one who got copped the penalty. And last week, I was supposed to come on your podcast and, and I was sick. I also missed the countdown show. Sanger was the one who made his prediction was the worst out of the bunch. And he dogged it. Uh, no wig. Typical. Typical. I could not believe it. Absolute soup he is. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure he hears this part of the podcast as well. So, uh, anyway, no, I think... Lafayette's been pretty good, pretty good, 50s, you know, upwards of 60 on good weeks. And then, you know, hopefully with a couple of good matchups, the Dragons have a great run home as well. He can maybe find his mojo again and get the offload back because, uh, you know, he had some strapping on his elbow around the time where I bought him. Um, and that's now dissipated, but he's put the offload away a little bit. So hopefully that comes back at some point. I agree, and I've got to say, I, I can't recall uh, if VK's put the pink wig on, but dead set, swimsuit model if he does, right? <laughs> yeah, there'll be people <laughs> after him, that's for sure. The male model. Awesome, indeed. Um, at fullback, uh, Copes, you were talking about Billy Slater before. He's on the high end of kind of pod ownership at 8%. Um, he's the most expensive player in the game so far, but you alluded to career best form. I mean, he's phenomenal right now, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, some of the things that I've picked up on in the last couple of weeks were interviews by him, but also his wife was on the lead up to Origin talking on the field and, and listening to those sort of insights for me about his wife saying things like, it's been a couple of years since Billy hasn't had any niggles to worry about. He has been going into games fully fit, fully healthy, just worrying about his role in the team and when to pop up and where to pop up and playing his role. That, for me, is the sign that this guy is absolutely flying and confident in his body again. Uh, so, for me, and it shows on the scoreboard, you know, his scores are just phenomenal. His five-round average is something like 91. Uh, and in terms of replacing Sean Johnson's scores, you get the fullback, the name Billy Slater in the best competition, and I think you got yourself some pretty high upside. So, that, for me, is the best avenue to replacing Sean Johnson. Yep, totally agree. And, you know, I've somehow thought uh, Will Hopawade was worth discussing in this podcast, hmm. but I have to apologise in advance for that. So let's move on. <laughs> um, most, you know, going through the injury list before, I mean, it, not just Sean Johnson, it's Merrin, it's, you know, a whole bunch of people, even, uh, you know, Reynolds, if, uh, if you a bit worried about how he's going to go on with that thumb injury. Um, I'm not sure whether it's worth kind of looking to sell any healthy players, but Nick, um, anyone on the radar there that you'd be looking to dump? No, I think like you said, most of us are so low on trades at the moment. We're just, we're selling anyone who's injured. Um, but if, if someone's healthy, if, if they can provide a body, you know, you just keep them in the side. I mean, a few people are selling Fui, Fui Mayano, um, you know, maybe if you've got five or more trades left, that's fine. You can either upgrade him or cash him in or something like that. But people like, you know, like us who have only got three trades or left, he'll just sit there in my centre wing for the rest of the year. Had a pretty poor score on the weekend. But apart from that, he's been okay. 
Um, I mean, if you look at the top 10 sold list, SJ, Merrin, Coruscant, Friend, Papali, Gordon, they're all injured. And then you've got BJ, Dylan Edwards, and Cameron McInnes. So, yeah, I would, I'd just be letting those last three guys just sit in your team. They can provide coverage if you get desperate. But for me, it's it's just selling injured guys now. What do you think, Copes? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I'm sitting on six trades left, which I think I'm amazed that I have that many, to be honest. Um, but uh, I even for me, looking at it, there's seven weeks left. So if you're running low, like two trades or one trade or heaven forbid you've run out of trades, you've got a long way to go to navigate injuries and suspensions that happen each and every week. So don't be trading right now other than trying to finish your 17 in terms of your best on-field team. If you have the luxury with three weeks left to nuff out someone, then by all means do it. But the flexibility that someone like Pui Maono provides at the moment Yes, you could nuff him down and take the cash out of him, but the flexibility he provides with someone like Angus Crichton and Tohu Harris, it's invaluable if injuries do strike without needing to use a trade to cover someone. So I think that's something to remember as well. Dual flexibility is just as important as AE nightmares. Yeah, I agree. And and last year, the, a lot of people kind of braced themselves and saved trades up, and and it was relatively healthy to you know for most of the guns to end the season. Um, we're already seeing guns start to wear down um, and get injured as well. So a lot of people are going to be caught short if you don't have that depth or or at least one sneaky trade to uh, to hold on to for the run home. But it's not just it's not just about that. It's you know I distinctly remember Andrew Fafita ear-bashing a referee at junior footy and all of a sudden I've got 450k sitting on the side and I can't get rid of him. You know, that's one of the things, you know, obviously that doesn't happen every day, but these are the sort of things that can happen. You know, it's not just about did a player get injured on the weekend. There's any number of different things. So uh, having some trades there is great, but as you say, getting your best possible 17 as quickly as possible is always your, your first priority. Yeah, you just reminded me, actually. It wasn't just for feeder. It was, uh, you know, Corey Norman, Kieran Foran went away towards the end of the year. Even Vatavai and, and Lafay kind of got stood down and, and missed games towards the end of last year, and, and that obviously has an impact as well. So, yeah, good to keep in mind. Definitely. All right, what are we thinking for vice-captain, captain this week? I'm, I'm thinking I don't have anyone in the Thursday night game, and I don't have anyone in the early Friday game. So... I'm thinking just straight C on Gallon. Um, if I do go VC, I'll VC Gallon and Captain Smith, but I don't think that there's much that I can do from a loophole perspective to make it worthwhile. So I think I'll just straight C Gallon at this stage. Copes, what are you looking at? Yeah, well, uh, as you well know, boys, I write a captaincy article every week. Uh, buggered if I could actually pick one myself, but uh, <laughs> I might break the paywall for you boys. I know you, yeah, you'll be happy about this, Nick. I uh, wrote an article literally two hours before we came on, on to record this uh, for the captaincy stuff tomorrow. I think Anthony Milford, number one vice captain's choice if you own him. Um, you know, going up against the Bulldogs, he play, he's playing at home where he averages 75 points across something like 40 games. Um, Andrew Fafita, I think, is a great VC option this week. If you've got a late captaincy option in someone like 
uh, Tao Malolo against the Warriors, Cameron Smith even against the Raiders, or Marty Tapao in, in a, one of the Sunday games. Andrew Fafita looked back to his junk time best last week. Five offloads in the last 10 minutes, uh, and he looked like he had a bit of a point to prove. I think he has an even bigger point to prove this week after he's been slagged off a little bit in the media. So hopefully his 74 points last week and then 75 the week before that uh, is, is a sign of things to come. And the best captaincy options for me this week, Clint Gutherson. If anyone has bought into Clint Gutherson this week or if you are already an owner, anyone who captained Tom Trebojevic last week for 131 points will know just how easy the fullbacks have it against uh, the Tigers. And I think uh, Gutho, with the added kicking duties, he could go berserk this week. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm, I'm on for Fafita for vice-captain. And, mate, while we're at it, um, talking about the Bannockhurst being accurate, you need to take a lap of honour on that captaincy article last week. I did set, just from memory, I'm pretty sure just about every single person you wrote about in that article turned up or, or close enough to, mate. So that was just absolutely wicked how accurately you got that. Uh, well, every now and then, a blind squirrel finds an acorn, mate. <laughs> one of those weeks where, you know, for me, I had Cleary as my number one VC choice on the Friday night against the Warriors. That could not have worked out any better. And then the three skippers were Mannering, Gallon, and Trebojevic, who all got pretty close to the tunnel or, or over it. So, yeah, it was, it was a nice one, but there's been plenty of times where I've got it wrong. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't remember them at all. This week. Gutho for sure. Right, Nick. Uh, yeah, mate, Gallon. I'm pro- I'm looking Gallon straight C, but Copes makes some very good points there on Milford as the vice captain. I think that's a very good option. Um, sorry, Joe, but I know you were on the countdown show that one time, but I think the Bulldogs are going to get absolutely smashed tomorrow night, um, and I think Milford's going to tear them apart. I just hope the tears don't freeze to my face uh, at Suncorp <laughs> as I'm wearing the blue as I'm wearing the blue and white jersey, mate. Uh, it, it's going to be nice and chilly and windy, but uh, but yeah, I'll be there cheering the boys on. Mate, right, that will need all the support that they can get. All right, let's roll straight through to question time and Fitz, take it away because we've got a couple of questions here for Copes. Yeah, um, we put the word out that you'd be on uh, Copes tonight and Carlos the Dwarf, very interested. What's your biggest super coach mistake or regret this year other than appearing on this podcast? <laughs> uh, that's a bit harsh, um, but uh, there's lots of them. I mean, the day that I locked in my team, first lockout day of the season, I made the decision to go up from Paul Vaughan uh, and not start with him. I made a bold selection. I remember telling you guys on the pod, actually, that week, leading into round one, that I was going gutsy and I was going to start Felice Cafusi on my field as my second front rower. That turned out to be a fantastic decision, but the worst part about that was it was to forego uh, Paul Vaughan and and spend up bigger in my second row. So uh, he has been one of the great buyers of the season, and I probably looked past... Uh, his pedigree a little bit too much in in looking for another gem elsewhere. So for me, it's been missing Paul Vaughan and and plenty of bad captaincy decisions along the way as well. (laughs) It'd have to be tough sitting next to Sangster on the Countdown show every week, you know, and he's the bloody uh, cat that caught the canary riding Vaughan as a St George supporter throughout the year. I know, yeah, it's been tough. But he also... 
he's been pretty harsh on a few of them. He's been telling me how bad DeBellin is about, for the last sort of five weeks about, you know, he's, oh, he's back in the early 60s. He's not really a keeper. Um, but he's actually, you know, he, he can still see Supercoach value when it's there. So, no, Paul Vaughan's been a great pick for people. What about you guys? What, what are some of the worst decisions for you? Oh, um, starting with Sione Matadia. Um, you know, speaking of kind of not uh, not going with pedigree, I just thought nice end to, to last season. He's a jewel. He was, um, you know, one, all of a sudden one of the senior players at the Knights and a guaranteed 80 minutes on the edge. And I just kind of ignored the fact that, one, he wasn't actually that cheap. And two, the Knights just had no points in them, uh, certainly not for most of the year. So, yeah, I, I believe he actually lost me a fair bit of money before I, I dropped him as a sunk cost, um, kind of around round five. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I'm just looking at some of my early season trades here. Um, started with Isaac Luke. Started with Matt Pryor. Started with Mitch, Bar- <laughs> Mitch Barnett. Um, they were three of my worst ones. I mean, started with Cartwright as well, but he got injured from memory. They were three of my worst ones. And then trading in Gala Mosby instead of Ponga, you know. Oh, I did that cost, too. Yeah, cost I me about that. 200 grand, I think, in, in our overall price rises, which is not ideal. And plenty got, of points, which is very annoying. I've got one more. I forgot. I had erased this from my memory. When you just mentioned Cartwright, I actually brought Cartwright in in round 10 oh. as a bit of a smoky trade option. Uh, everyone else was steering clear to sort of wait until he played a bank of games. I saw one game against the Broncos where he turned it on, thought he'd be great. He scored me a combined total of about 13 points in two weeks, and then I had to sell him at a 100 grand loss. So that was uh, two trades and probably about 150 points I'll never get back from... Uh, <laughs> earlier in the season. That's pretty harsh. I did uh, I did trade Felice Cafusi out in round six for 270K. And I'm pretty sure four weeks later, he was 200 grand more expensive, having tunned up three times. So that, that wasn't particularly good timing either. No, but that was there. Like, who did you trade in? CHN? Yeah, I did, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, not so bad. All right, next question uh, from Charles Jacobson. Best pod buy out of Slater, Gillett, Graham or Cordner if back and fit. Uh, pretty sure we know how Coates feels about this one, but you, Nick? Um, yeah, I'd have to say Slater as well. Um, Matt Gillette's been scoring quite well, but I don't trust him. I've brought him in in the past and he's let me down. Um, yep, Slater for mine by a mile. Yeah, I think um, Gillard is a, is a really fun player to watch in, in real-life footy. I mean, uh, he's almost as exciting as someone like Tedesco with the ball in his hand, you know, when when someone runs at that right shoulder of his, anything could happen. But, um, yeah, got to be Slater for, from my perspective as the pod. Yep, definitely. Last question here from CCAT. With SJ's injury, injury who are the must-have halves? So we've covered this, covered off on this a little bit. Um is I don't know. I mean, is Cleary? What do you define as a must-have? Copes is Cleary a must-have? Uh, well, I think must-have goes out the window when you've only got three trades, right? So, um, you know, obviously you're going to have three other halves there by this stage of the year. Generally, all three are going to be pretty much guns. Um, so, ideally, you're going to want to have at least two of Cleary, DCE, Widdit, or Cody Walker. Um, I think those are the, you know, they're the guys that have got us through the season. They're the guys that have been averaging the most. 
and they're the guys with probably the biggest upside. And then after that, it's basically pick your poison, whether it's Gutherson, uh, whether, who's actually scored probably better than most of those guys, um, or whether it's you know some of the more smokies like uh, Moylan um, or some of the other guys we mentioned just before, whether it's Pierce with a great run home. Um, you know, Ash Taylor looked a million bucks in the wet last week. Or more importantly, Anthony Milford, if he can take on the risk of his shoulder. So take your pick with a dart with any of those guys, and I think you'll be good on any given week. What's, what I think is a really sneaky kind of under-the-radar issue with Sean Johnson being injured is that out of all of the premium half options that we've just gone through, the only other bloke that is a dual halfback 5'8 is Widdop. You know, I think what a lot of people are finding now is that Sean Johnson, they can only replace with a halfback or a 5'8 because, you know, they've got the Cody Walkers or Milfords or Pierce or Cleary that, that you know, are either single position players or they're dual kind of halfbacks and, and centre wings and stuff like that. So I think um, it's that loss of flexibility as much as Sean Johnson's kind of raw scoring output, which is going to be an issue for teams moving forward. Yep, agreed 100%. That's why, you know, I initially, oh, I can't even remember what I wanted to do, but I had some plan in mind about someone who I was going to get to come into 5-8 and looked at my team and I was like, oh, I've got Johnson in halfback. Oh, that's fine. And then I was like, oh, shit, actually, I don't have any options here. It has to be someone who's a halfback. So, it, um, yeah, it wasn't not ideal, but definitely um, hear what you're saying there, mate. All right, we will we'll begin to wrap it up now. Copes, do you have any any special leaving remarks or hot tips for us for the rest of the season? Uh, no. Firstly, thanks for having me on. Uh, maybe just one more pod. Who um, I just was researching for the stats article this week. Um, he had his hair pulled pretty badly last week, and that's Aaron Woods. Um, ah. His form in the last six to eight weeks has been phenomenal. He played the full 80 minutes on the weekend, scored 86 points all in base stats. He's only owned by 2.9% of teams. Uh, I think the, the upper echelon of super coaches this year have all got pretty much a bank of the same second rowers. A lot of people are making moves in the front row, and I think Aaron Woods, with a five-round average of somewhere in the vicinity of 75. Um, but 77, on- yeah. Yeah, so playing regularly that bank of minutes, you know, upwards of 60 now. I think with the run home and the Knights, you know, he, he has real pride in that club and he'll want to sign off in style uh, and lead the club, hopefully to a better finish than where they were mid-season, which was in disarray. Um, and, and I think he is someone that's really turning out the base back and, and has upside there with try-scoring potential we've seen in years past. So... Just someone to look out for around the 400k mark and um, maybe a little nugget for the run home for those pod hunters out there. Yeah, mate, that's a really great um, that's a really great shout because you know you mentioned his run home and I think the best thing about uh, Woods's run home is that absolutely no games are on Wednesday night because I think he's been absolutely <laughs> terrible on Wednesday night games this year. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah. I- well, I, I don't think there's been many New South Welshmen that can uh, put their hand up and say that they weren't, unfortunately. But, Only yeah. having a dig, mate. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm used to copying it at this point. But, 
Yeah, no, Woodsy's going well, and I think a lot of people ending up with the same forward pack. So I think you know he's definitely one to look for if you've got a few trades up your sleeve, and and even if you're looking to sell one of those guys, you know, Isan Masters an upgrade, and you don't have a million bucks there to to get the absolute best in the Mannerings and the Trebojeviches. Yeah, for sure. Good Definitely. Chat. Good call. Very good call. All right, mate. Thank you very much for jumping on the pod tonight, Copes. Much appreciated. We will definitely organise to get that stake bet paid off at some stage, I promise. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers, man. Thanks, Fitz. Speak to you next week. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.